Hello to all my Walter Mitty types. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. It's Chris Gethard. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. First things first. I haven't mentioned him for a long time now, and I'm, I'm really genuinely embarrassed about how long it took. One of the all-time great episodes, we actually had a, a deaf caller to the show. And after that episode, I said, you know what, I'm going to commit to getting some transcripts made of some episodes. So, you know, there's 10 episodes that live outside the paywall permanently, and I, I have officially gotten those transcripts made. I'm going to drop the link to those in, in the uh, Beautiful Anonymous, the community on Facebook those exist and then there's a lot of people in there who've said they want to help out and transcribe other episodes and we're going to have ways for you to sign up to do that so I'm dropping that link in the coming days go check them out and I hope they do some good for some people out there also want to let you know I'm getting back out on the road I'm going to have a bunch of stand up dates coming up and a few live beautiful anonymous tapings I got stand up in Buffalo September 20th got a live beautiful anonymous at the Motor City Comedy Festival in Michigan also have a live beautiful anonymous in Woodstock New York Stand up in Woodstock, New York, stand up in Brooklyn, and upcoming stand up dates that aren't on sale yet in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and Philadelphia, and Richmond, and those are all in the works. So keep your eyes at chrisgeth.com, and I would love to meet you guys on the road. I'm actually filming this whole tour because it marks half my life in comedy, and I want to do a whole special documentary that's defined by meeting you guys and talking to you guys and kind of showing the really, really amazing interactions I get to have with people who come out and the beautiful anonymous fans. It uh, is something that I hope we can capture in this little documentary. Last week's episode, we, of course, had our caller who talked about what it was like to hear about herself on the show and then also told us what it was like to live with an STI. I think a lot of people out there struggling to uh, deal with that or people in their their life are dealing with that, and I think it gave them a lot of uh, pressure release. That's something that we truly do not talk about enough, and I'm glad we did. The episode you're about to hear, really, really interesting one. I've never really had this. There's some people who do not like my work, some people who really like my work. It tends to live on the extremes. This guy said he saw me in a movie and wanted to check me out because he liked me in the movie, and he has given it an honest shot. He respects it. It's just not quite for him. He is not a fan of Beautiful Anonymous. He's barely listened and checked it out, and yet he got through on the line. And then, lo and behold, it turns out that he is in many ways... 1,000% cut from the cloth of the exact people who like this show, especially the early days. It actually reminds me in many ways of our first ever episode. He is a guy who is living kind of in his own world, in his own head, and needs some help getting out. And I was happy to help up, step up and try to help out with that. So I think it's a, a very fascinating call because it's a guy, he's tried, it's not his thing, but then it Turns out that in many ways, even if entertainment-wise it's not his thing, culturally, very much his thing. Enjoy. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you Uh, hear me? uh, all I can think, yes. All I can think is, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I just, <laughs> I uh, am not an articulate person, and uh, don't have good stories, and uh, I just have a telephone, and I have Instagram, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and so some of the like, it's there's an excitement to like getting that call busy signal, you know, that like the little that like, I'm going to just give it a go. And here I am. What a terrible mistake. So you wanted to float on the, on the fantasy of being on the show, but now that you're on, you realize this is not something you want. It's a terrible idea. I think that I sort of am excited about the idea of interacting with you and excited about you know, the sort of process, but then, you know, in my head, the fantasy is, you know, I listen to the songs and I got to like speak to the guys and then eventually there would just be a dial tone and then I could go about my day uh-huh. and, 
that (laughs) the world would keep moving. Right, and you wouldn't have to be on the hook for revealing stuff about your personal life, potentially, or worrying about if it was boring or not. Yeah, or dealing with this sort of panic and, like, how am I going to form sentences? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, there's lots of exciting things that, uh, you know. Well, you're allowed to hang up. You're allowed to be the second hang-up oh. ever in the history of the show. And then we'll just put this on, and really? you can say you got on the show, and this will just be the extent of it. Well, so but here's a question that I have for you. <laughs> okay. That I was thinking about. Uh-huh. Because I've also heard that you had a caller <laughs> that um, had never heard the show before, mm-hmm. and I might also be like that. <laughs> So you've never heard? It's not that I've never heard it. It's that I've sort of, uh, I have heard some parts of it. So you don't like it? Um, Not that I don't like it. It just makes me feel squirrely. (laughs) So you don't like it? You're uncomfortable with the show. (laughs) It's not that I'm uncomfortable with the show. I like like you. Right. um, Okay. And I'm, I'm connected to you. I just okay. don't know that I enjoy hearing about other people, but uh, so you I, don't I'm like interested enough. You don't like beautiful. It's fine. It's fine. You don't have to feel bad. No one knows who you are. I don't know who you are. It's not your thing. It's not that it's not. Well, I bet it could be my thing. And <laughs> okay. but I, I, you know. I did. I, I do enjoy the work you do. So it sounds like you're maybe more of a. I'm. I'm. It's. I'm connecting the dots. You. You have found me more through the outright comedy angle, where I have now developed sort of two separate fan bases: one comedy focused, yeah. one beautiful anonymous focused. And there is some crossover in the Venn diagram, but they, the the bulk of them, I think, are separate. The comedy fans. Like the comedy, the beautiful. No, I think things. it comes from the same. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from the same heart space. I think that. I think so. Uh, I think so. What I did was I saw you in the film uh, "Don't Think Twice," mm-hmm. and and then it's. Well, I was like, I've seen this face before, and I think you know there was a show on Comedy Central or something, and then, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which I probably is not complimentary, but um, hey, I. That, that I don't know your like catalog. I oh, I thought you were insulting but, the show Big Lake specifically, which is warranted. Big Lake. Yes. And the guy from uh, Ferris Bueller Can't Lose, I think, was on that show also. Um, is that the, or, the TV I mean, version of Ferris Bueller's yeah. Day Off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of, oh gosh. See, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This is terrible. It I, might be terrible, uh, but I'm sticking with you, buddy. Okay. So I, I explored that. I went like in a deep dive on YouTube and I got to experience a lot of the, you know, the sort of uh, TV, like the access, cable access stuff. And then I got to explore your TV shows on, you know, Fuse and then Court TV. Fusion and, then, and True TV. Um, two wrong two, the wrong two right. networks, but that's okay. Yeah. Fusion <laughs> and True TV. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So I really, and I enjoyed that. And I was like, I mean, I, (laughs) here's the thing though, uh, in every case in my, like, I'm like, this is so brave, (laughs) but there's a part of me that goes, ah, this is, it it, like lives in this place. I admire and I appreciate, but makes me feel very squirrely. (laughs) So my work in general across the board Yes. You're saying you have, it sounds like you're saying you have a, li- a bit of a passing fascination with it um, conceptually and you appreciate that maybe I put myself out there on a limb, but that it largely makes you feel uncomfortable and it's hard for you to totally lock in with it. I have to look at it through my fingers. And so I can't fully, exactly, I can't fully lock in because uh-huh. it makes me, like, it's sort of like a, you know, maybe if I were a, a better person, I would be able to like figure it out. No, you're not a bad person for not liking my work. It's fine. So you find my work a little it, impenetrable oh, and hard to lo- and and you can't no, really no. figure it out. Well, only I mean, like I don't find it in, impenetrable 
uh, unless, unless I, you know, don't, unless there are parts of it that I don't, I'm not getting, Uh Uh I just find the like commitment and the, you know, the sort of like wide openness from like, like an emotional, like this is, this is all like, we're going to throw this in the, up in the air and it's going to come down and then it's fine. Let's just, let's just be in that. And that, um, that sort of trying and the sort of uh, end result doesn't matter as much as the trying. Right. Like it's not on, it's not on rails you and, the sp- and it doesn't have like this. Yes. Okay. Well, I was going to say, it's a, no, I appreciate what you're saying. It sounds like you applaud the spirit of my work, but find it. Yeah. It just makes me crazy. You, yes. So I, I feel like this is an effect I maybe have on people. It's probably part of why I haven't been able to bust through in a mainstream way, which is that you genuinely appreciate the impulses I have and the risks I take, but that the end product yeah. is something that makes that you have said, I believe the quote, it makes me cringe. And it's confusing well, for people. It it's me, confusing for people. It is, and I like, get it. You know at the end of Scrooged, you know, when uh when Bill Murray he he's like, and this, and then you get a car and you get a car, whatever it was, I don't remember what he said. But you know, if at the end of that, nobody, like, cared and there wasn't Christmas music, it was just this, like, beautiful person who, like, had this emotional change and he wanted to share with everyone, but they weren't interested, I feel like that would make me feel squirrely. Yeah, squirrely. You keep and, using the word squirrely to describe the effect that I have on you. I like this. And yeah. you know what? It's a funny thing. And you're pushing a lot of my buttons here. Because sometimes I sit in stress and go, I've never broken through in the mainstream. But then none of the entertainment I've ever enjoyed has been mainstream. And a lot of the work that I set out to do specifically aims to challenge the audience in a way that I think is meant to scare away the mainstream. In the same, like my heroes are Andy Kaufman and David Letterman. And my favorite music is yeah. punk rock. Things Howard Stern right. was a big influence on me growing up. The things I've always liked are the things that scare away the mainstream. And hearing about your appreciation for the integrity of my work, maybe, or the approach of my work, while also admitting that it makes you feel squirrely, which you've said no less than six times, I'm quite intrigued <laughs> and, and proud to have this conversation. Can I ask what's the stuff you do like? so that I have a frame of reference of the borders beyond which I stand. Okay. Well, so I like a lot of, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't really have a good sense of what I like. I like a lot of things that, uh, I listen, I work from home. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so I like, you know, like some of the comedy podcasts that happens. I like the stuff that, um, I'm almost embarrassed to admit because what it's kind of become blue, but it's that sort of frat housey, uh, I don't know, Bert Kreischer and, uh, I love Bert. You know, the Tom Sura, like the sort of, oh my God, they're, I mean, you know, because I think that in some, here's what's interesting, right? So, it's the inverse in a way, I think, where what I'm looking for is this sort of closed off persona, but you get hints that inside there is, um, you know, a heart or a soft center. You know, I sort of enjoy the idea of, you know, there either being a, you know, there's a smart thinker or there's a, you know, like a soft center. And I get that feeling when I... right. Right. And I hear them talk. Um, mm-hmm. You like you like your again, comedy. You I like your safety of it. You like your comedy right. aggressively funny. It feels like comedy, looks like comedy, so that you know what you're getting into, and there's a safety net to that. But you want to feel like underneath the aggressive comedy, it's it's not it's not just easy cheap jokes. There's a thinker. I will say, you mentioned Bert Kreischer. I have to say, um, Bert has a has a a bit called The Machine. And oh, yeah. It's one of the best stories any comedian's ever told. 
And like you said, a lot of people might be surprised to hear, like Bert and I have sent messages to each other, mutual respect, and he's like a big, bombastic, aggressive energy. He doesn't wear a shirt on stage, but we appreciate each other. And I know what you're saying. Bert is like an aggressively funny dude who clearly has intelligence and heart behind the fact that he's like the shirtless guy. Whereas I will start my comedy by talking deeply about a suicide attempt. And then you have to kind of claw through that and go, oh, this guy actually has some some punchlines in here too. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and you know, like you're, I mean, you're, you're talented. There's no doubt. Um, I think that, so I think, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't feel like you're not, but I think that, uh, you know, for me, the safety is that I know that um, it's, there's sort of the, the veneer of meanness or the veneer of sort of like inappropriateness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know it's, you know, there's, they're not, you know, in the continuum, you're, you know, um, it's more raw and real. And uh, with them, I know where they're, I feel like I know where they're going. Um, so I don't get too far out on a limb with them. I got it. When With my work, you don't know how, you don't really know what you're about to get. And it might make you feel right. bad. And Not tight. What's that? It's not tidy. It's it not, isn't. Um, and I have no that, inch. I like you. Yeah. You're giving me a chance to talk about this. I love the idea that we're having a call with someone who is... Re- Here's what it is. Let's sum it up. You have a lot of respect for me, but you are ultimately lukewarm on the comedy that I produce. It makes you feel uncomfortable. And I have to say, you're giving me a chance to say this. And I want to go ahead and say, I have no interest in making things that are easy. I don't like art that's easy. And I'm not saying the people you named are that, but you say they feel tidy and a little more safe. Like what you get. I like making stuff that challenges the audience. I like that this show in particular scares you a little bit, and now you're on it. I think that's a cool thing to explore. You know what I like, too? You know what I like? Here's one thing I've thought so much about with the show. This show is challenging to a lot of people, but this is a show about listening to each other. I think why people like this show, even though it's a terrifically unsafe show, as you say, is that it's based in the fact of let's actually buckle down and give a shit about each other for an hour. And that is something that a lot of people don't always feel during the busy stretches of life where life just you just kind of have to work until you go to bed and people don't always show the appreciation for you that you deserve. People don't always slow down. Maybe you're in a family that's got to pay the mortgage and you don't have time to slow down and listen to each other. You don't get to sit down and eat dinner and ask how was your day and actually say it. Shows about being listened to. And that's why it's a little unsafe too. Anyway. You asked me to connect. You asked me to connect and I don't want to. (laughs) Your guard is up. Why is your guard up so high? What's your deal, man? Why is your guard up so high? Oh, I, you know, I, I think that I, uh, well, so I, you know, I work from home, which I feel like of the calls that I've heard, there are some, you get some remote employees. Uh, and so I tend to, and and this is interesting. So I tend, I don't know that it is. I tend to, um, have a very isolated experience. So I, you know, I work, I go pick up my kids from daycare, I come home and then repeat, you know, there's very like limited interaction in the world for me. I talk too long to the cashier at the grocery store just to think, Oh really? And then, or the, you know, mailman. And so, you know, the idea of like those limited interactions those 15 minute or five minute. Um, chunks are, I'm just sort of my sweet spot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have a, so I think that like anything beyond that, I get a little, well, I don't know if I should say it again. Squirrely. I'll say it for you. Squirrely. You were going to say squirrely, weren't you? I was really thinking squirrely. Yeah, I get it. You, you are the squirrel. You are the squirrel. <laughs> Fans of this podcast sometimes call me the giraffe. I won't explain why. I know you haven't heard the episode, but I am the giraffe and you are the squirrel. And today we are in the forest together. Let's do it. What is it about human interaction that freaks you out? Do you think this is, here's a good question. You think this is something that's kind of just built into your personality? Are you an introvert by nature? Do you feel that the modern world is not built in a way 
that makes you feel comfortable with human act interaction. Which one would you lean towards? Discuss. Ah, the great chicken and egg question of modern times. Do we not know how to talk with each other because it's inside us, or is it because we're so disconnected via technology? A question that needed to be asked. The answer will be coming soon. In the meantime, though, we got ads, so check them out. Use the promo codes. We'll be right back. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to this phone call. You think this is something that's kind of just built into your personality? Are you an introvert by nature? Do you feel that the modern world is not built in a way that makes you feel comfortable with human act interaction? Which one would you lean towards? Discuss. I think that I, um, I think that I was and and do sometimes return to feeling good in a group and and you know, but somehow. I've been herded into this sort of isolated experience over just time. And I went from being someone who felt more like an extrovert to someone who, you know, became, you know, less uh, able to do that. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I feel like I, sometimes I feel very articulate and charismatic and able to sort of, hold a conversation and then others, it's just a disaster. Like there are times when I can't order at a drive-thru without, you know, just locking up. And, you know, if they don't start with, what can I get for you? At some point it became fashionable to say, how's your day going? And at the drive-thru and I never, like, I'm, I don't know. Should I, what should I do? Should I order now? Um, so somewhere along the way, I, I just sort of lost the ability to, to sort of to field to field things, and I'm in the way you're phrasing it. I'm getting the sense it's not. This is this is a circumstance that, has, but even you said like, oh, I lock up. That's the language of someone. It's not. You're not telling me that you're just more comfortable being introverted. It sounds like this is something that has degraded in a way that you're not totally thrilled about. Oh yeah, that's a hundred percent. I um. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, I work in a, in an office environment and a business environment and, you know, I, I've been, I, even just introducing myself to a room, uh, I've not been able to, I mean, like if you're at a conference and they're just going through the room and say your name, what city are you from? As they get closer to me, I feel my heart just racing and like, okay, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? <laughs> and then I say it and, uh, uh, and then, you know, I get to survive for the rest of the thing, but I, uh, you know, and I don't know when that happened. I feel like that is that less than optimal. I'll tell you something. People who feel a little isolated, a little lonely, and a little bit like the world is just a machine with gears that might grind them up and doesn't really pay attention to or appreciate them. Those are usually my target demographic. I'm surprised to hear you haven't been able to totally lock in with my work. I keep trying. Your your siren call is is certainly heard. You can sense that it's for you, and then you try, and it's just not for you. But you can sense that it's that you're the type of person it it wants to land with. Because because <laughs> I'm being serious. I mean, I'm joking around right now, but I'm being serious. I hear you. I feel the same way. I'm in an industry where I have to go into crowded rooms and try to connect with people. I go up on stage as a stand-up, I say things, and in my mind, the reason stand-up is so addictive is because when I say a thing that comes from my head and the room laughs, I think to myself, holy shit, thank God I had a moment today where someone gets it. I felt a thing inside and someone actually heard it, and the room laughing is evidence that one of these fucking weird thoughts in my head actually makes sense to the outside world. That's why I like making creative stuff. When I put out these phone well, and so yeah, you go. Let's talk to me here. Well, I just so well, it's just interesting, right? So um, the the difference between a, a you know a producer and a consumer, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. part of the reason why I enjoy you know all of the you know the the, the podcasts and whatever is that I I am you know these are just uh, things that people create and they put themselves out there. And, um, and I, I consume them. Right. And I'm, I don't ever get the, the, 
gratification or satisfaction of of creating and putting myself out there. Instead, I'm just sort of, you know, sitting quietly, <laughs> staring at a screen. Um, and and I think that um, I uh, vicariously enjoy the creative process by consuming. And so I, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I, I definitely understand the attraction of saying a thing and having people nod and agree or making them feel a little better. Now, you know, what's very fascinating is that we're in this weird loop where the show that you don't quite get that you have magically wound up on is actually something where I can promise you that is happening. Because when you say that you feel this frustration that you'd love to be able to put something out there and just have some people not in agreement, there are many, many listeners right now who, when this comes out, just nodded their head in agreement. I feel like a lot of the people, the broad umbrella, so many different specific discussions I've had with this show, but the broad umbrella that unites us all is a lot of people who sit here going, and it starts with me, who sit here going, I don't feel like the world wants to listen to people like me. So you actually probably are right now accomplishing the exact thing that you are craving via a show that has failed to connect with you prior. What a, what a weird set of circumstances. I think it's maybe being open to the idea of connecting with someone who is not exactly like me. Mm-hmm. And hearing a story <clears throat> from a perspective that I've sort of tied myself to this, you know, viewpoint. Um, and so whether they're younger than me and maybe I, or, or have a, you know, different experience, different, you know, that's different from mine. I, I think I just resist. Uh, I resist that. I'm hearing you. And I identify with it. Even as someone who lives very you know, publicly, I still feel those feelings pretty much every day. What were you going to say? Oh, I, I was going to, I really, I called to, to um, see how you're doing uh, with your, your new baby. Good. I will tell you, and this is, we're doing, um, full disclosure, this is a day where we're doing two calls. So there's another call where I mentioned this, but uh, there's there's updates. My wife sent me a picture. This kid's three months old. And there's a thing with three-month-olds. Yeah. We initially were freaked out by this, as we are freaked out by many things. They don't poop for days at a time, especially when your baby's <laughs> breastfed, because apparently breastfeeding, they're just getting all these nutrients they need, so it's not like there's much waste left over. Now, my baby went... 10 days without pooping. We called the doctor. Uh, I think I called him, I called the doctor two days ago. And she told us, you know, 10 days is getting to the extreme end. We might have to take care of it. But let's just see. Now, yesterday, he had a poop that was remarkable. And it smelled so bad. And I stepped up and I cleaned it up. And my wife sent me a picture about an hour and a half ago he did a follow-up that was even worse, and I was not home for it. And I was laughing about yeah. it, but I feel so bad because she has since um, followed up and said, initially it was very funny. This picture, I mean, this kid, it looked like he shit out an entire bog. He shit out like a <laughs> swamp. She showed me it was all, it was like up, up his back to his shoulders like there was shit on the base of his neck she said she had to throw out most of the clothes he was wearing and i was laughing and then she wrote back and said initially it was funny but i am so freaked out and overwhelmed right now she said he started crying he shit so much that he scared himself and started crying and wouldn't stop that's how i'm doing right now Yeah. Well, you know, there, there are moments, I have a couple of kids, or three, I have three, I think. Yeah, and, uh, I wanted to talk to you. There are moments that. when, well, you, it's almost like you have to decide whether you want to change them at the changing table 
or just put them in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's just give up. Let's just call it and just we'll hose them off, and we'll try again. The doctor sounds like maybe a hose off situation. The doctor said we might have to get if he hadn't had these two explosions, we were going to have to give him a glycerin suppository. And I have a friend who had to give his kid one of those, where you put glycerin up their up their adorable little yeah. asshole, and then they apparently, my friend gave one to his kid and said his kid did a poop that shot four feet across the room and bounced off the walls. So we were going to do the in the tub, but now we don't have to because he, um, yeah. he just wrecked a onesie, just wrecked a onesie. My wife referred oh, yeah. to it I, as the blast zone. She said everything in the blast zone has to be cleaned. So I don't know what I'm about to go home to. No, we, you, like we should all get hepatitis shots because there's just no, there's there's nowhere like that poop doesn't collect. I'm sure if we had like a black light in my house, you would just find poop everywhere. Goddamn I don't know if that's crime a, scene. Now, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you something maybe a little sensitive on this topic? All right. We spent a lot of time talking about how you feel isolated. Spent a lot of time about how you maybe feel a little disconnected from the world at large. I I say this with great respect. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. This show goes personal. I know you don't listen uh, at all, really. Um, But let me just ask you. Normally, I would think that when this topic comes up, Usually those people are single because a lot of people might think that having three kids, I don't know if you're still with your partner, I'm not going to make any assumptions, but you would think that having that family would inherently make life less isolating. But it, it, it sounds like for you, it is still a predominant feeling, maybe beyond what you would think with someone who does have a family that large. Well, so that's true. And what I, what I try to do is I try not to allow whatever feelings I have of anxiety about, you know, being out in the world. I try not to let that impact the kind of activities that my kids do. Um, I try not to limit, you know, their experience. Um, my, my son did soccer for the first time. He's six. Um, and it was the worst. It was the worst. Because for an hour or an hour and a half, you know, uh, I have to sit uh, quietly uh, on a soccer field next to another dad or mom. And then they might have thoughts that they wanted to share. And then I might have to share thoughts back. And every once in a while, a soccer ball might come my way. And then I might have to field it back to the coach or they want me to like run a drill. Um, and that's, but I want every time I want to, while inside, I feel of uh, sort of pain or I hate this. I don't ever want to do this. I don't want that to come across or more than it, more than is obvious to my kids. And so I, I muscle through, um, but I don't. So I, yeah, that's just the thing that I feel like I can't, um, can't not do. Yeah. It's, uh, I wanted to bring it up cause I almost want your advice on it because there are things I have struggled with for the bulk of my life. And already in three months, I look at my son and he's so, he's a happy little guy. He's a happy little guy. And I have not always, <laughs> I don't think that, I have had major stretches in my life where people would not describe me as a happy little guy. And I feel this massive sense of dread and responsibility that I might, it might really affect him, his happiness. It's a, well, in nature, nurture, right? So yeah. is it, are you just by like the nature of your vibes in the room going to have an impact or, you know, does he come preloaded? And I, I, sorry, if it's a little boy, right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, uh, you know, I was thinking about the fact that I, I'm not, I'm not good with boundaries. Um, and so I also am not good with no. And, um, my wife has to step in and and create those boundaries. And then we have little partner conferences where she's like, you didn't do a very good job. 
in that moment, but, you know, let's keep trying and stay unified. But I never felt, like, very connected at home growing up. And so every day I'm like, come here, and I'm very physically, you know, affectionate, and I, like, voice my love for them. You know, so the pendulum has swung in this complete opposite direction too far, you know, and, uh, you know, my, you know, I, I have twin girls, uh, they're two and I just can't put them down, carry them around one on each arm and just, um, and so that is itself. My reaction to the way that I grew up is itself going to have an impact. Um, so yeah, I don't think you can do anything about it really. Um, except be aware of it and, and just, you know, operate out of love. It sounds like, uh, would you say this is true? From what you just described, it sounds like out of all the people in the world, for someone who feels like you have a, 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 an issue that's progressively built with connecting to people, it does sound like you have prioritized making your family the people you do connect with the most. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to, I don't choose to... Um, to put myself in public spaces and be kind of someone who, um, you know, is a leader in those spaces. But I also recognize that that's to, to my own sort of detriment and I don't want to share that with my family. And so I want to make sure that they, they feel like, you know, they can be participants in the world. Um, and so that's what I try to do. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something, and I hope that this uh, affects your thought process with the stuff you told me about, and maybe even your confidence, which is that uh, I, at this point, would say that I am a professional conversationalist. I would say this podcast has made me fall under an umbrella where my job is to have conversations, and this has been one of the easiest and smoothest ones I've had, and I hope that gives you a little confidence because uh, – the first chunk of this call was so funny and enjoyable for me. For you to just, you 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 let me know your opinions on my work and the, the, that it didn't totally land with you in a way that, you know, a lot of people might say that and it might hurt my feelings, but you said it in a way that was charming and had me laughing and that made me feel totally comfortable with you. So I'll tell you on my end, I have found it so easy to connect with you and actually an extremely pleasant experience. And I bet that there is the potential if you would like to start making that happen out in the real world too, because I, uh, I've, it, this has been a joy. This has been fun and fascinating and you've been so open and real and I really appreciate it. Yeah. I, um, I, I will try to take that in as best I can. It's not always easy. No, not always easy. Can I ask you a question? Of course. I don't know where we're at. I don't want to, um, overstay. No, we've got uh, 25 but... minutes left. <laughs> so how is Tammy Sager in real life? Is she, a, is she a kind person? Because one of the things that I... One of the, the two sort of most surprising things about watching that movie, uh, Don't Think Twice, yes. um, were your performances, you and Tammy. Uh, and I say Tammy in a familiar way. I don't know why. But, uh, and so... Uh, I went down another rabbit hole uh, and uh, just think that like, it's interesting when you hear or you see people who have uh, had a creative input into so many things, but they're relatively unknown. And I, I suppose that there are people like that all over. Um, but, you know, in the, in the uh, research that I've done, which sounds terrible. Um, I was really surprised to hear that. Oh God, this was in my head. I thought when I, I thought it would be funny to talk about another person that's not related to your sphere in any way. And now I feel like I have, I've stumbled. What with this Tammy Sager thing? You're doing great. Dude, you're thinking way too hard about this. <laughs> I just watched what happened. That's what it's like for you at Starbucks every time, huh? Yeah, every time. You walk away, you're like, I want a venti, caramel macchiato, and uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I have to say medium because then I like if I say like grande, then uh, then I, in my head I'm like, am I supposed to say grande or medium? And so I try to like create like and then in, it's one of those things too because I do the same thing dude intellectually you know that that person does not give a shit if you say medium or venti but you've now turned it into <laughs> no, that's it. you've turned it emotionally oh into such a pitfall that you feel like man this could ruin my whole day meanwhile that person is like what's your name I just want to write it on a cup and go home <laughs> like that's what their concern is and you I've, know that I've had more people say to me wow you're in your head a lot yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Because I'm, I think about what their response is going to be to me, and what maybe my response should be to the response they haven't had yet. And uh, the next thing you know, I'm like, eh, maybe I just won't go. You're like a modern Walter Mitty. Yeah. You got the Walter. You're in the Walter Mitty classification. You familiar with Walter Mitty? I uh, the fantasy life that he yeah. has, the sort of rich internal fantasy Liv- life, yeah. living in his own head. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so, you know, I keep, I keep saying that I'm going to, you know, uh, go to Toastmasters <laughs> uh-huh. or, uh, or get out there and do kind of a, um, do something, you know, have some kind of a world experience that isn't, you know, in my day-to-day activity, but I've, I've yet to to do it. Well, I want to address that. First, I want to answer your question, though, because you brought up something near and dear to my heart, which is Tammy Sager. This is a person who is very <laughs> special to me, one of my very good friends in this world. First of all, the fact that you watched Don't Think Twice, which has six stars, you completely identified with the two least known of those six commodities and uh, decided to research them. Tells me a lot. You root for the underdogs. You identify as an underdog, clearly. There was a certain sadness to the work of Tammy and I that you sensed, and that's rooted, I think. I don't want to speak for Tammy, but rooted in some reality, at least on my end. And uh, you said, I got to know more about these people. Let me tell you, for anybody listening, Tammy Sager, whose name was brought up, I'm so psyched to get a chance to say, this is one of one of the the great voices in modern comedy that, as you said, has flown under the radar. If you look up Tammy Sager, a lot of the shows that the world has regarded as brilliant in recent years, in the past decade or so, Tammy has worked on. I'm talking from Bored to Death to Inside Amy Schumer to Broad City. Russian Doll is the most recent one. And so many, I mean, so many writing credits on shows that are kind of regarded always as the smartest show. 30 Rock, whatever the smartest comedy is, that's on your TV yeah. or on your streaming service. Quite often, it's also on Tammy Sager's resume. And when you go to IMDb and look, you just start to realize, oh, all these shows that are regarded as these kind of very smart, very hip, culturally aware shows that are almost constantly sort of like predictors of cultural trends, Tammy's got her fingerprints all over them. And it's not a coincidence. She's incredible. She is one of the true pure voices in comedy in my experience in 20 years doing comedy. I'll also tell you, she is one of the nicest, sweetest people you'll ever meet. I think you would enjoy a sit down with her and she'd enjoy a sit down with you. Um, She and I just got lunch about a month ago. She's the best. I'll also say this, if I can nerd out for a second. I have said that as someone with an improv background, I think she might be the best improviser I've ever been on stage with. And I've been on stage with everybody. And the reason why is because you can throw there there are probably people who are better at certain styles of improv. But there's nobody who can handle them all except Tammy Sager. Like you can get into some aggressive character stuff and there's some people who might be the best character people or you might get into some stuff that's like very, very cerebral, or you might get into some stuff that's very sort of like, um, how would I say it? Um, like experimental and artistic and, and, and sort of intentionally not making sense at all times. These are all these different wings of improv and you can meet people who are masterful, slow, thoughtful, grounded, long scenes, 
punchy scenes that are aggressive going for jokes. Like nobody can do them all as well as Tammy Sager can do them all. She's the most well-rounded person on stage. There's nothing you can throw at her that will shake her up on stage. You want to do an hour-long scene about something dark? She'll crush that. You want to get out there and get in a pissing contest about who can come up with the funniest one-liner on their feet? She'll crush that too. And there's not many people who can do all those. You want to do some artsy-fartsy thing where you're doing all these acting techniques and stage pictures and there's long silent stretches or absurdist stretches or abstract stretches? She'll crush that too. And there's people who are probably better than her in those individual realms, but nobody who can do them all the way she can. That's Tammy Sager. Yeah, I I was so surprised by both of your performances in that movie that I just had to kind of keep keep digging and and so Thanks. I don't know there was you're connected and so you you dug through Tammy say she and she is she's one of them she's a person I will say in my creative life is one of my handful of inner circle confidants so you dug into my work you dug into Tammy's work and you were like oh all these shows she works on are amazing you dug into my work and you were like good try dude no a little bit. Uh, little bit. No. You're just being nice now. <laughs> no, That's no. true. And let's pause there because I just want to say good try, dude, might actually be the ultimate label to attach to my work. I think it's actually fair. Good try, dude. I broke up the momentum. We got ads. Check them out. These advertisers have promo codes, and it sincerely helps the show when you use them. We'll be back after this with more phone call. Thanks to everybody for checking out our advertisers and what they have to offer. Now let's finish off the phone call. A little bit. Uh, little bit. No. You're just being nice now. <laughs> no, That's no. true. But in this, Andy, like, uh, so so the things that I, I so admire about you are the, um, you know, you don't seem to put a foot, you don't seem to put a foot wrong, you know? Like, you, um, you just like the way that you reset that sort of weird, vaguely creepy, like, attempt I made at talking about Tammy Sager like you found a way to bring it around and sort of like make it like make it okay. And I so appreciate that. Um, but you know, like it's, it's almost like, so, so one of the things that I feel like in life is that I, I am literally just surviving this moment and it's not as dire as that, but I, I don't think about the next thing or, or um, you know, uh, and so, but it seems like on some level you're, you're like, when you speak, you have an eye towards some kind of a next thing, you know, in that, like, you're not exactly shooting from the hip, you know, I feel like you're, and so it feels like you have a, you're like, um, you hustle in a way that is inspiring. You're, uh, you're, I don't know. I don't know if you took like a media training class or something, but I did not. I did um, not take a media training class. Just to get that on the record, I did not. <laughs> what do you think it comes from? How do you like this ability to organize your thoughts and like, you know, to try and, uh, you know, what I hear like it's interesting. Uh, I hear some people who will uh, who will say bad things about other performers, and then other people who don't. And they make a point not to, and it's an intentional kind of, you know, I don't know if it's home training or what, but, and I think of those people as being more savvy. Um, and so what, what do you attribute your savviness to? Well, first of all, like you said, as far as not talking shit, here's a couple of things I've learned in life. Never burn a bridge. Why do it? What's it get you to burn a bridge? Now, if there's something that you need to take a moral stand on, by all means, but that's different than just saying another artist's work is bullshit if you think it is. Because here's at the end of the day, as an artist, any artist who's paying their rent through their work, more power to them because it's a hard thing to do and I respect it, even if what they're doing isn't my thing. As long as it doesn't sort of cross lines that I think are, you know, culturally offensive or beating up on people, like then it's time to step up and say something. But there's people whose work I don't love, but hey, they're paying their rent. Go do it. I'm paying my rent too. They're not taking food out of my family's dinner, you know, out of my family's fridge. So there's that. And and then 
As far as you said about uh, or organizing and, and thinking forward, I, here's here's what I have found. Here's what I've found over and over again. Because I'm like you. I'm surviving moment to moment, man. I was walking down just Especially yesterday. Now. Just yesterday, man. My, my wife is carrying my son and the baby Bjorn down the subway steps at 34th Street F platform. And I'm carrying this stroller and he's young, so we still got the big bassinet and it's got this bag underneath it full of diapers and toys and blankets. This thing must weigh 50 pounds between the stroller and this bag. And I'm walking down the steps and this lady starts to walk up the steps and I'm about 80% down the steps and she starts to walk up and she winds up standing on the second step and just staring at me. And we're in this impasse and I look at her and I had this moment where I just go, can you, is there any way you could just step down two steps? And she went, come on, and physically pushed me while I was holding a thing. And I just thought to myself, oh my gosh. I just thought to myself, why do I get out of bed in the morning? So here's the secret, man. I'm just like you. I'm surviving moment to moment. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. Especially, yeah. And the only way I have ever figured out to cope with that that makes me feel good because I've spent so much time. I spent so much time in my life, especially when I was young, starting in high school, up through my mid-20s. So much time sitting in my room or sitting at a computer or sitting behind the wheel on my car feeling like, man, why bother why bother? The world's hard and unforgiving and no one cares. So the only thing I've ever found that helps me combat that is to make things that serve as the signal flare that helps the other people who feel that way find me. Because here's the thing that I've always said, and maybe I haven't been as clear on with this show, is people come up to me and they'll say, you know, I'll do a show. I'll go, I'll go to Atlanta or I'll go to Salt Lake City. And then after the show, somebody comes up to me. I do stand-up. And they say, you know, listen to Beautiful Anonymous, man. And it really helps me. And it means the world to me to be able to look them in the eye and go, you know what? I promise you, it helps me more. Helps me more. That's why I make things. Because I know when I was a kid and I met other people who liked Conan O'Brien or who liked David Letterman. When I, when I was obsessed with David Letterman's book of top 10 lists and I went into school and I, I had it and some other kids read it and laughed and, and they were the other one or two kids who always sort of sat silently and scared because they got judged. And then I realized, nice, I'm not the only outlier. I'm not the only weirdo. I might be a weirdo. There's other weirdos out there. There's other people who feel lonely and judged. And maybe, maybe the biggest demographic in the world is the people who do feel lonely and judged, but we're all just conditioned to shut the fuck up because no one wants to hear it because we're babies and we're snowflakes and just be tougher. But I don't know, fuck being tougher. I'm tired of, I got so tired at some point of feeling like I needed to tough it out. I don't need to tough it out. What I need to do is find the other people who aren't tough and be not tough together. That's what I know. What's it like living in New York for you and uh, being polite and sensitive? Oh, great question. Great question. It has officially, uh, I love New York artistically. I love it. I love being a comedian who can get on stage multiple times a night. I, I love being around communities of artistic people. I love, most of all, seeing other people do their thing and feeling like it's a challenge to me or feeling like it's an inspiration to me. As far as living in New York, I'm done. I'm cooked. I've lived in this town for 15 years, and I just got to go someplace that moves a little slower, where people are a little nicer. I just have to. And those are cliche things to say about New York, but I think one of the things about being a New Yorker is you got to know when it's time to get the getting, when the getting's good. So I'm gonna, I, I, in the next year or so, I have every intention of moving someplace that's close enough to New York that I can come in here and... Uh, get to this city within an hour or so to do my comedy and to do my podcast. But I don't, I don't need anybody pushing me on the subway steps while I'm just trying to carry a stroller. I don't need that. No. no. I don't need that anymore. So I'm going to move I someplace would. nicer and quieter. Well, I'm never going to say the name of the town. Of I'm never going to say the name of the town out loud in my work so that people know, so that my very kind but often intense <laughs> fans don't uh, make pilgrimages to try to find me in a deli. I'm going to just keep a little more <laughs> privacy than maybe I used to. Maybe I'll even well, say a fake town, Harry. Maybe I'll say a town that I haven't moved to. 
Who knows? Anyway, your turn. What did you want to say? Well, I hear about Wayne, Maine. I was surprised to hear that that's a town. And I think if you were a comedian living in Wayne, Maine might be, uh, well, uh, so I was in a shopping center. <laughs> you hated, you uh, bailed on that no. joke because you felt like it wasn't good halfway through, but it was good. Stick to the guns on the Wayne, Maine joke, my man, because it was good. And you bailed <laughs> on it because you went, oh, he's not going to like this. Well, I did like it. And I'm not letting you off on the hook. I'm allowed to like the shit you say. And you got to let me like the shit you say. You're not letting people even have a chance to like the shit you say. And it was a good thing to say. It was funny. So my son had been... Ha- thank you. Thank you. My son... You dodged the emotional like moment. Nightmare. Your son. Go ahead. Your son did what? He just had a... He was having nightmare behavior. We were in the store and... Uh, I don't know, like he left his water bottle in the car or something. And he just was like, but he was like, let's go, let's go to the car. But we still had to go back and finish shopping with the rest of my family. And so we got out to the car and it's a windy day and he's just being a nightmare. <clears throat> and so he climbs into our minivan and uh, I open the passenger door to get the water bottle and the wind blows the door open and it hits the car next to us. And it just as the owner of the car has arrived. And so we're having this intense moment where we have to talk about what just happened. But meanwhile, my son, who is is very interested in what's going on and why I'm having this tense moment. And so I am trying to, uh, you know, like negotiate with this gentleman. And uh, we finally came to an agreement that perhaps I would exchange some kind of monetary value for the damage to his door. And then uh, my son, who I had to like get to just be quiet, <laughs> please just, just sit quietly while I do this. Cause this is kind of stretchy for me. Um, and uh, we got it done. And, uh, but even when you move to, it's not the stairs on the subway, although I read an article about that, which is just horrifying, but <laughs> It would be your nightmare to live in New York City. I assume you do not. It would be your nightmare. I think you're right. You're right. (laughs) You're just around people all the time, often physically touching them when you don't want to be. I didn't know that I didn't. uh, I think I I visited uh, once and uh, I thought I was going to be like, ah, it's the greatest city in the world. But I did not have that. That's fair. Anyway, so what happens with your son after that? Oh, uh my job was just to get him back to his mother who could, you know, uh, we could all just, <laughs> but, um, I just, you know, tamped whatever I was feeling down in, inside and gave myself a tiny pat on the back for surviving that experience and, uh, and kept it moving. Yeah. You and I are very similar people. It makes sense to me that you sought out my work. Although again, just to be on the record, you did not quite enjoy it. But it makes sense to me. I think I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming around there. Can I tell you that uh, there was a, <laughs> maybe you can tell me who this is because I, in my deep dive, I, I tried my best to figure this out and I couldn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there was this um, moment on the show when uh, fish, the uh, human fish. Okay. A moment on the Chris Gethard show, where the human fish, legendary comedy yes, character. The human, the fish. human fish. Yes. Yeah. And there's like, I mean, like I, there, like I'm sure that the the depth of your fan base is so deep that this is so painful for people. But I'm just going to try. So the human fish had a job, uh, maybe at the airport, but maybe at the mall, uh, maybe working at a pretzel place. at the Auntie Anne's pretzel um, stand at the LaGuardia Airport. Yes. Oh my gosh! And so his manager came to the show mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. demanded that the human fish return to his work. Yes. And so there was this, like, conflict, and he was like, you know, I can't believe. And then at the end, after being kind of a grump, he turns to the bass player in the band and did, did kind of like an air bass, like, Yeah, yeah. And, like, connected in a – and to me, like, that was so funny. So funny, but I tried to find out who that uh, – performer was and I, I couldn't figure it out his name is john reynolds he's very brilliant he plays one of the cops who's not hopper on stranger things right now and he's in oh, great. and he's uh real i will tell you he has a very large role where he's super brilliant on search party which is a, a show based on your love of tammy sager 
and the shows that I think you connected with her. You all love Search Party if you haven't watched it. It's a great show. And uh, John's on there, and he's awesome. And he's a really, really brilliant improviser, and you'll be happy to hear that that bass moment was not in the outline. It was just something he busted out in the moment. But that's that's. I'm, I'm glad you liked that bit because that's one of my favorite bits that we did. Oh, my gosh. It tickled me. Um, so is this what you thought? Like, is this, I don't know. Like, uh, from other episodes, I feel like it seems like the show just goes where it goes, but... Is there? You talk about. You want to hear my honest answer? Puerto Rico or something? Well, hold on, because you started to ask me to evaluate it, and then you got scared of that, and you bailed and mentioned Puerto Rico for seemingly no reason. <laughs> so let me answer your question. <laughs> you wanted to know how this compares to the other ones. You started to go there, and then you got nervous about the answer, and then you you backed out, right? Yeah. So I'm going to give you the answer. Doesn't matter. This is yours. This is not ah. theirs. This is not theirs, and that's a real answer, and you're treating that as a cop-out. It was great, and it was fine, and I think a lot of people are going to love it because it's good conversation. But here's at the end of the day, there's been, what, 160 of these other conversations. It doesn't matter. This one's yours, and those are in the past, and this is right now, and there will be other ones in the future, and they're not happening. Doesn't matter what happened in the past. Doesn't matter what happened in the future. What's happening right now is very good, and very valid, in its own right. You shouldn't worry about that. You got good things to say, and uh, I think you should be much more comfortable letting people hear them. Any questions about? Uh, can I tell you that the baby situation is about to get like incredible? In a good way or I mean, a bad way? Oh, in a great way. In the most amazing way. Nice. Um, you know, one of the things that I didn't know is that they they don't come out with, like, eye contact and smiling. Oh, my God. This kid laughs and, now. He smiles now. And he just started trying to have little mini conversations, which I had no idea happens this young. Yep. And it's so good. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, there are just, like, it's going to get better and better and better until finally they're teenagers, or he's a teenager. But I, I think that, like, even the worst stuff is so good because you just, like, here's this person, and they're kind of yours. And um, it's just the most wonderful thing, and I've never felt so full of joy uh, before. So I think... Same. Once the light comes on and they connect with you, it's amazing. Same. Now, can I say something? That's part of the show. And I just need to put it out there and beg something of you. There's a little bit of a thing that happens sometimes on Beautiful and Honest, especially with people who aren't so familiar with the show, where we record an episode and it gets a little emotional and maybe they put themselves out there and then they send an, an, a message and they go, hey, don't put that out. And I just want to tell you, we got to put this one out because you're going to sit there and overthink it, but it's a beautiful call. And there's going to be so many people who feel exactly the way that you do. Please don't send me a message and bail because we need this one. We no. need this one. Deal. Nice. I'm going to hold you to that when you try to bail because you're, you're going to. I, I know you well enough at this point to know going to well listen we're out of time and uh i just want you to know i had a real good time talking to you and i would talk to you anytime and you don't have to worry about it i think i want to say i would never judge it and i would never roll my eyes at it and i would never be reductive about it because i feel the way that you do very often that being said we're out here all the other people like you are out here and they listen to this show, and right now they're sitting there while they do their laundry or they do their dishes or they're driving home from work, and they're going, yes, we are. We are out here. And you're, uh, like the Ramones said, gabba gabba, one of us. You're one of us. And just know that all these people are out here, and they feel the way you feel, and they're rooting for you. And maybe that'll mean a lot. Maybe it'll mean nothing. But at the very least, it's true. Thank you. I I will let that in. I will let it in. All right. Glad to hear it.
Thanks for thanks for not. I mean, I would say thanks for listening, but you don't really listen. So. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try to try. <laughs> try to try. I think that's a great, great place to end with you. And always, not just with listening to this show, but in general, it's time to try to try. Caller, sincerely, thank you for calling. What a fascinating one. To talk to someone who hasn't totally locked in with me and then to have a conversation as genuine and as truthful as any other we've had on this show, it's incredible. And as far as how your episode stacks up against the others, it exists, as they all do. And that is what matters. You are on record. You have been heard. I promise you, I was listening hard and I was enjoying the conversation. Thank you for having it with me. I mean it. Thank you to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth. Thank you to Justin Linville. Thank you to Shellshed for all the music. ChrisGeth.com. I got touring dates, stand-up and live, beautiful anonymous. More and more of those are filling out as we head towards the end of the year. So go check those out. If you like this show, one thing you can do to help, you go on Apple Podcasts, you rate, review, subscribe. Genuinely does help when you do. See you next time. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, we talk to a fighter in both a literal and metaphorical sense. So if you're ever in a situation where someone tries, you really, I mean, and God forbid that this even happens, I pray that you're never in another situation where you feel threatened. But if you are, you've got some contingency, you got some contingency plans in place now. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely feel more confident about it. Like prior to all of like what's happened to me, um, I have been in some situations. I've bartended for a little while, so I've had to, like, get up in some guys' faces and be more aggressive with them than I would expect to have to be. And it's been a good confidence boost to be like, yo, I will choke you, and you won't even see that leg kick coming when I'm done. (laughs) Wow. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.